Welcome to this episode of C-Suite Interviews, where leaders from across the business spectrum share ideas about how to help organizations thrive. Whether working in the nonprofit, public, or private sectors, you'll hear tips from emerging and veteran leaders that are sure to enlighten and inspire. If you're ready, here's the host of C-Suite Interviews, John Janklays. everyone, John here. Welcome to this episode of C-Suite Interviews. This is episode number three where we're going to interview Dr. David Berger. David is the founder and the president of the Berger Consentity Group. That's a Colorado-based consulting firm specializing in leadership and team development, executive coaching, and organizational transformation. David also guides international climbing expeditions. He's a sports psychologist for professional and Olympic athletes. He's also the author of The Interdependence Paradigm. It's a leadership book. I can tell you it's one of the three or four leadership books that are always a ready reference on the back of my credenza. David's been my executive coach for about a decade now. As you're listening to this interview, think about the value of having someone like David in your corner, somebody who's watching your performance, thinking about ways to really kind of elevate your game. If you hadn't thought about it, I'd highly recommend it. So if you're ready, let's go to the interview with David. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, in the introduction, I was explaining that you and I've worked together for almost a decade now, and I attribute a lot of my improving leadership skills to our relationship, uh, you as my executive coach. David, how did you get into executive coaching? Well, I was uh, doing a lot of work sort of at the grassroots level for years, um, a lot of corporate development stuff, workshops. but in the middle of or most organizations and found that I was creating a bit of cynicism. Many people um, would get their hopes up and then later have the rug pulled out from underneath them by some executive. Thus, uh, leadership does trickle down, <laughs> not just like economics, but um, if I could have a positive impact on one executive, I would have helped dozens, if not hundreds, of middle-level people. So I really switched to executive coaching because uh, that's where the power is. Hmm. You know, one of the forums that I know you've had an impact on these leaders who are going back and, and impacting the hundreds that you're talking about is at the Center for Creative Leadership and also at Jeetons Grotenville. Tell us a little bit about that experience. What were some of the takeaways from that? That's a, a great question. GE at Grotenville, it's their management development center in New York and uh, it's a lovely environment uh, for teaching and learning so most of the faculty are learning all the time and what I learned from GE was that uh, you could trust clients to tell to tell you what is important to them to learn as opposed to coming in with the you know latest greatest thing the 10 steps to perfection kind of a deal uh, and so it, it really put a reverse spin on it um, and with that, and a little experience of my own, and my own intuition, I could get out of the way of their learning. And the Center for Creative Leadership, uh, especially the executive program called Leadership at the Peak, taught me to be very empirically grounded. They do everything based on research instead of opinion. And that combined with uh, bringing experiential exercises to the Center for Creative Leadership really uh, boosted my love of research and statistics and integrating that with subjective data uh, and experience. So 
you could do things like prevent skepticism, superstition, ungrounded opinions, and really get the best out of uh, the clients. Mm. You know, you talk about everybody has opinions about leadership and management, and probably a good grounding point for our conversation today is that um, is there a difference between leadership and management? A lot of times we use those almost interchangeably. And so if there is a difference, what's the difference in your mind? Well, it seems to me to be critical to first differentiate and then integrate ideas. So yes, there's a difference. Uh, management is a scientific reactive process to remove unnecessary variables from any system with a central purpose or aim of being able to control it. Prediction and control is the heart of management. Leadership is more artistic and proactive as a process to introduce variables to any given situation in order to create opportunity. Um, which one is more important? Well, for me, it's like breathing out and breathing in. You can <laughs> take a choice. Most people say, yeah, don't I need both? And, I think that's the answer. It's not that one's more important than the other. They are different. And I think effective executives have to understand when to do what. Um, most of the time uh, we spend on management, which is very inefficient. <laughs> you have to get data, really analyze it, and that slows us down. A lot of people don't want to slow down and look at all the data. Uh, and they think leadership is the answer. Well, leadership is introducing uh, new variables into a system, so you have to have the data to do that. Otherwise, you get fantasies instead of visions. So they're very, both very important things. We have to differentiate what their purposes are and how to be effective and efficient in both ways, but we have to integrate them. Yeah, yeah. Thinking a little bit more about leadership, I, I'm just experiencing in our business environment right now the speed at which things are accelerating and changing and the amount of disruption you know, is there anything that is enduring that we can take, uh, we've learned about leadership, you know, into this more tumultuous future, or is it uh, a whole new kind of leadership that we need now? Uh, it's, I would guess a little bit of both. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. There are many changes in the role of leaders these days, and you're right, for one thing, the pace and complexity has increased so much so that simplistic solutions no longer work. Hmm. Uh, you know, in the, back in the so-called good old days, uh, you could do a lot of trial and error, which is still very important to do because that's the way we gather data. Um, but often a, an easy answer would come up pretty quickly. Now that it's more complex than that, you just can't do an easy answer. So I think that there are a few sort of perennial ideas that work. I consider them principles, not answers per se. Mm. Uh, but they tend to work most of the time. Uh, for example, I think leadership is an inside-out process. Uh, you know, clean up your own act before you take it on the road. <laughs> people great. are tired of egocentric leaders. Hmm. They want people that are um, doing their own work internally before they're interacting with you. They, they look up to people like that. They choose to follow leaders that are doing their own work and that they're thinking about the whole system. Um, and in order to do that, I think the idea, the principle is to start with purpose uh, and then get to the how-tos and later focus on uh, what are we, you know, what are we delivering? Yeah. 
uh, most leaders, I think, inexperienced, start with the what. You see organizations do that. They try to sell what they sell. If you're selling computers, well, you know, I got this big of a screen, this many megabytes, <laughs> it goes this fast. What's the, <clears throat> what's the competitive advantage of that? Mm. Not much, mm. because everybody's doing something like that. And, and that goes to the individual leader. What you bring to the party uh, is really going to make the biggest difference is what's your sense of purpose, mm. professional and personal purpose. And then how do you do that? How do you actually get that applied in reality? so that we get close the gap between real and ideal. That's the kind of a principle that I think really uh, upcoming executives need to focus on. Why am I here? What do I bring to the party? How do I get it out there and make it accessible to people? Yeah. And I think in the old days, the principle was more about you had to have the right answer. And that led to a lot of leaders being very egotistical, trying to answer everything. And that pretty much gets in the way of individuals' autonomy, because if it's just top-down, uh, what's the reason for them being there? Mm. You know, David, a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast are young and emerging leaders, and they're looking for ideas about, you know, how to have a bigger impact. Some people call it, you know, climb the corporate ladder, you know, try to have that bigger impact. What advice would you give emerging leaders to think about? Um, I think I would start with encouraging people to understand how their own brain works. <laughs> Self-awareness is, is always a first step, and nowadays we're getting much more neuroscience uh, grounding in terms of how the human brain works. And that not only helps in self-awareness, it helps you understand what's your impact on the followers. For example, 80% of the human brain is focused on survival, so we can get the assumption that People are negative because they're looking out for themselves. Yeah. Cover your own assets, for example. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's natural, and we're all doing that. So if we just have that level of understanding, we don't start judging people. We start trying to understand them. How can we present things as an opportunity instead of a threat to their survival? Hmm. So uh, I would say... Uh, do a great job wherever you currently are at things like that, being self-aware in that environment where you are now before you start thinking about moving up. Um, and figure out what your impact is there and how you're addressing that ecosystem. Um, and I would even encourage people to ask, them, ask themselves, what's your purpose in climbing the ladder? If that's all it is, it's, you're going to be driven as a leader, not drawn to lead. Hmm. And that ends up being short-lived. Hmm. Hmm. I like that uh, distinction. Just, yeah. I like that distinction. Bigger reason. Yeah. You know, so kind of continuing with that thought, then you talk about a short-lived leader. Um, you have, comes to mind the idea of burnout, possibly, for a leader. And many times we talk about this idea of work-life balance, that if we can strike that just right, you know, that we might have more longevity as, as an executive. Um, it's often talked about, and I think not very well understood, this idea of work-life balance. You know, how do you come at this topic of work-life balance? What advice would you give? Well, uh, in research on burnout, <laughs> the overwhelming uh, re um, finding is that it's not about 
how much time you spend on the job. It's whether you believe in the work you're doing. You stop believing in the work you're doing, you burn out. So I would say that's uh, that's a good starting point. Again, leadership's an inside-out process. Uh, do you feel like you have a balance internally? Are you spending enough time at work with uh, being present and focused? And are you spending enough time with family and friends being present and focused? I think, again, what's new is in the old days, it was we had this sense of static balance. I'll spend eight hours at work, and then I'll spend eight hours with my family. <laughs> uh, but I never work eight hours. It's usually more than that. And when I get home, the family's tired, and so am I. And uh, gee, it just doesn't balance like that in a 50-50 static idea. I can't work one day and then play with family and friends one day. <laughs> you know, it's be nice to find a job like that, but it doesn't happen. I think the answer is we can find a rhythm. And again, being present means we're gonna understand that things dynamically are changing all the time. Let's make some conscious choices. Where we put our energy, when, and how much. And know that that's gonna keep ebbing and flowing. Sometimes our family just needs us. And we need to say, we got some direct reports. They'll mind the store while we're taking care of the family. And sometimes we need to mind the store because they need our help. And the family would understand that. But, you know, leaders today have to have that stuff out front and talk about it with work and, and family. I think executives have a great responsibility to model the way. Uh, they need to show that they're getting exercise, that they're watching their diet, that they're taking care of their family, that they have hobbies outside of work, that it's not just about results, that it's about outcomes in general, like how are we taking care of relationships at work and at home as well as getting results? So it's, a, it's more complex, uh, but it's not necessarily more complicated. Yeah. yeah, I love that notion, David, of watching good leaders in action. You know, for me, I can think back to my career. I probably learned the most by watching people who were just really just awesome at, at leadership, you know. And I'm sure you've experienced the same in your career. Can you share with our listeners maybe a leadership moment in action that um, kind of really showed leadership grace or uh, kind of showed the way of what good leadership is all about? Yeah, boy, there's so many there's great leaders out there doing things, great things all the time. And most of them are the ones that don't get published. <laughs> True, isn't that? Yeah. Uh, but one particular one I can remember is I was in a board meeting with a CEO who was presenting uh, the proverbial euphemism of downsizing or right-sizing, whatever it was in those days. Uh, and the company had been doing so well, they kept adding headcount because they were doing so well, and all of a sudden, everything was going down. And the CEO was presenting that um, they had to cut a certain number of people. And everybody, you know, the board members were nodding their heads and in agreement and all that kind of stuff. And then, what he did that was amazing to me was that, and everybody I think in the room, was the CEO, this one was so values led that he said, I'm gonna give my, this year's salary donated to the entire uh, group of people that were being let go so that they could land on their feet. And he said it's not because they all of a sudden became poor employees, poor performers, it was his fault and he was taking responsibility for not being strategic enough to see around corners to know that 
adding headcount wasn't was a simplistic answer, and they needed to really cultivate uh, what do we need and what kind of criteria would fit that, and then fit in the people in the right slot for more um, longevity. And so his short sightedness said, uh, "I'll I'll walk the talk by paying us out of my salary." I can remember leaving. Wow. The, the meeting and board members are saying, well, that's easy for him to say because he's worth three, uh, something like $300 billion in net worth. And another one said, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, money is money. <laughs> so that was a, was a big thing for him to do that. And it wasn't that he was getting credit for it. He was just saying, I'm taking responsibility for it. Wow, that, that is really walking your talk, isn't it? It's beautiful. That is a beautiful story. Hey, switching it up a little bit. So when you're not coaching others, what do you like to do to re-energize David? Uh, I sort of, I look for rejuvenation, revitalization through aliveness. Hmm. I love that feeling of being fully alive. So that, that leads me to a lot of things like spending time with my family, including my golden retriever. <laughs> <laughs> but also things like climbing ice or big mountains mountain bike or road bike riding, skiing, gardening even, anything that has, that requires me to be fully present and in that moment. I never think about phone calls or emails or, or stuff like that. I just have that sense of being connected and aliveness. And you've got a wonderful place to do that and a great playground in Colorado, don't you? Indeed. <laughs> Hey, David, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, any uh, parting thoughts for our listeners today? Sure. Um, I mean, of course, there's so many things, and again, I can't, I can't be simplistic about it, but I would say life is simple and complex at the same time and not simplistic. Um, the need seems to be a calling to seek meaning, to get wisdom, to find community, or anything driven by a sense of higher purpose. I think that's part and parcel of what's going on in today's context, is that there's so many different worldviews, points of view, and very few people looking for viewing points. How do we collect all that and stay connected and work on the things that really matter, uh, to quote you? <laughs> um, because I think that's, that's what makes life worth living. And that's what people look up to their executives for, is to have visions and not fantasies, to integrate the data with emotions, and just be real human beings. Well, David, I got to tell you, you've helped me uh, uh, capture a glimpse of the better version of ourselves uh, here at Partners Credit Union. You've helped me do that as an executive. Thank you for taking time to visit with us today. Um, we'll have to have you back and talk about more aspects of leadership as time permits. So, hey, just want to say thank you very much for being on the show today. And to our listeners, know that in the show notes we have information if you'd like to reach out to David. And um, I think that's it, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of C-Suite Interviews. A couple of notes. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can show your support for these podcasts by going to iTunes and rating the episode that you listen to with five stars. And please tell others about the C-Suite interviews and the CEOcorner.com 
where you can find resources such as articles, tools, and videos to help all aspects of leadership development. That's it for now. Thank you for listening to this episode.